Thank you, Brenton, and the team for leading us. And yes, we are going to be in the book of Acts, but I want to um, just let you know about something that we're doing as a church, kind of in conjunction with us working through uh, the book of Acts this year. We have engaged or signed up to a two-year program with a group called Reach Australia. Now, you might not know who they are. You might remember me speaking about a group who had been involved in helping plant a hundred churches in the last 10 years and who were seeking, by God's grace, under God's blessing, to plant another 200 churches in the next two, uh, 10 years. And that was kind of in light of the fact that there's, I don't know how many churches, I can't remember now, 100, is it 100 every year, are closing in Australia. Um, so they're kind of trying to stem the tide, but also to be proactive in helping churches plant churches. Um, this is their kind of uh, vision statement or what they're about. They say, we want to see healthy evangelistic and multiplying churches reach the lost in Australia. Uh, that's their goal. Uh, they've been doing it for some time. And so we, uh, we've signed up with what's called a leadership development program uh, for the next two years. Uh, why would we do this uh, is a good question to ask. And here's uh, probably the main reason. We've talked a lot about it. We continue to talk about it. And we're not going to stop talking about it. We want to reach our region with the good news of Jesus Christ. The twin cities of Armidale and Gosnells, 100,000 people approximately in both, 5% of those people in a church like you are this morning. So you can do the maths, 190,000 people outside of the church and most likely outside of the kingdom. So there's a, a need for us to be seeking to reach and we actually don't have all the answers. We don't have all the answers to questions like this. How do we effectively raise up the next generation of gospel workers? How do we equip one another to reach the lost where God has placed us? How do we prepare well to plant a church or to start a new congregation here? How do we set up good structures that support healthy ministry into the future? How do we discern together what Jesus would have us strive towards together here at GBC? There are a bunch of questions that we don't have the answers to. And that's where Reach Australia come in. They've been doing it for a long, quite a long time, uh, effectively and fruitfully. They've learned lots of lessons along the way, and they're open to sharing those lessons with others. Um, so, what's it going to be involved? What's going to be involved in this two-year program? Well, primarily these things. Firstly, leadership coaching. So, I will have a coach, uh, someone who's kind of done this, been there along the way, still learning as well but someone that I and uh, through me, our leadership community, elders and deacons, pastors, staff, uh, will kind of receive this coaching from. Uh, later in the year, I think in August it is, or September, August, I think, uh, we will have a church consult. So some of the guys from Reach Australia will come and visit with us, spend a few days with us, talk to various ministry leaders, with, uh, be part of our gathering, work with leadership and so on. And out of that consult, we'll give us some, some thoughts and reflections and some suggestions going forward. Uh, ministry training, equipping, conferences, cohorts along the way uh, from people who have been doing these things effectively for a number of years. So I'm excited about that. I've been here for 10 years, as you know, just signed up for another five. Um, you know, uh, in some ways the tank might be a little bit empty. So this is going to be a pouring in to our leadership team and particularly to me as well. And I'm excited for that so that I can uh, help uh, lead us together with our our other leaders going forward 
in an effective way. So pray for that. And at the same time, of course, we're going to be doing this series uh, on the book of Acts, which will be great because what's the book of Acts about? Well, it's about the very things that we're going to be thinking about with reach. It's going to be how to, reaching the lost. It's going to be what does it look like for us to be uh, living as sent people, as sent people. The key verse of the book of Acts is this. Uh, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's what the book of Acts is book of Acts is about and what will become clear is this if we are Christians we are not only saved by Jesus we are we are also sent by Jesus what does that look like how do we do that well hopefully the book of Acts is going to help us with that so let's dive into it shall we why don't you turn to Acts chapter 1 and we're going to read the first 11 verses and then jump in Acts chapter 1 Verses 1 through 11. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after suffering many proofs, appearing to them 40 days, during 40 days, and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Let's just pray for a sec. Father, again, we thank you for your word. And we ask now that by your spirit, you would take your word and bring it home in our lives. Lord, be our teacher, we ask. Open our eyes. Help us to understand and to respond. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I wonder if you've ever had the frustrating experience that goes a little bit like this. You finally, finally found something worth watching. It's happened. It's amazing. You've come across this show. It's worth watching. You're actually totally into it. And this comes up on your screen. To be continued. It's frustrating, right? I think I'm speaking as an older person here because it doesn't happen that much anymore. But when it used to happen, you're frustrated because you have to wait until next week for the next episode. You have to wait to find out what happens next for the story to continue to unfold. If you're really keen, 
If it's really got you, you check your diary and make sure you're home. Or you make sure your video VHS recorder, now I'm getting really old, is working. Or today, if it's on one of the mini streaming channels, you just sign up for the trial and keep going and binge away unrestrained. No to be continues for me, thanks. But the four Gospels are a bit like that. They all kind of finish with a to be continued. Think about it for a minute. At the end of all of them, Jesus is crucified, buried, and on the third day, he is raised to life. We've just celebrated it just over the last few weeks and and, uh, praise God for those who helped us do that so well this year. And the question is this, as you get to all of those Gospels and the end of all of those Gospels, What's next? What's next? Is this it? Or should we expect more? Should we expect more? For example, have a listen to Luke chapter 24 and verse 36. I'm going to go back a bit here. Luke chapter 24 and verse 36 and following. We're at the end of his gospel and this is how it reads. As they were talking about these things, Jesus has been crucified, he's been buried, they're confused. As they were talking about things, we're told, Jesus himself stood among them, resurrected, and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. You can kind of imagine, right, if you put yourself in their shoes, how they might have felt. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for, the spirit, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broad fist and he took it and ate before them. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. There it is, right, that to be continued at the end of Luke. And if you're one of the disciples, you'd be no doubt left wondering what's next. Where did Jesus go when he was taken up from us? Where is he now? What is he doing where he is now? Is that it until he comes back? What about in the meantime? These are the kinds of questions the disciples would have most likely had. And the answers to those questions will transform their lives and their world. And they will transform the lives of followers of Jesus ever since, including us. And the good news is those answers are all available to us. We are not stuck at the end of the Gospels with it to be continued. We have the next episode, if you like. 
We have volume two written by one of the authors of the gospel, Luke the physician, or as you might like to call him, Dr. Luke. Acts is the to be continued. Acts is the next volume, the next episode that will answer all those questions for us. So as we kick off this morning our series that we've called Sent, we're going to see two things that are really clear right from the word go. And the first is this. Jesus continues his mission on earth through his people. Jesus continues his mission through his people on earth. You see that in the first couple of verses. In the first book, O Theophilus, Luke's Gospel, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up and after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his sufferings by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Luke begins his second volume by referring to his first volume or the first episode and what it contained. What did it contain? Many events, he says. Many events surrounding the Lord Jesus, surrounding his life, his ministry, his miracles, his teaching, especially his death, his burial, his resurrection, his appearance and his ascension. My first volume, O Theophilus. But you notice what he says about his first book in verse 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. All that Jesus began to do and teach. And the point is this. If Luke's gospel is about what Jesus began to do and teach, the book of Acts is about what Jesus will continue to do from here. The book of Acts is about what Jesus is doing now and how he's doing it and the part that his followers play in it. And verse 2 begins to show us what that's going to be like. Until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. You see, the risen Jesus appears to his disciples. He is with them and he teaches them and then he commissions them. Verse 3 through 5, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many approves, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking to them about the kingdom of God. Notice here the plans and purposes of God are continuing to unfold. It was God's plans, as Jesus says at the end of Luke, that he would suffer and die and rise the third day. But it's also God's plans that repentance and forgiveness of sins be proclaimed in his name to all the nations and that the promised Holy Spirit will clothe his followers with power for that. They are going to be sent by the risen Jesus to do this. 
Notice they're talking about the kingdom of God when Jesus rose and appeared to them. Now, we've already seen the kingdom of God throughout the Gospels. We saw it in Matthew pretty clearly, didn't we? What is the kingdom of God? It is the rule of God through his king, through his Christ, in his world for his purposes. Jesus came and when he began his ministry, he said, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. So the kingdom of God was present in the person of Jesus, but now it's going to continue to extend through the people of Jesus. Jesus, the Messiah, is going to continue his mission. He hasn't, like, parked the bus. He's going to continue it, but he's going to continue it from heaven. And he's going to continue it through his apostles. He's going to continue it through his people, down through the ages. As we live for Jesus and speak for Jesus, enabled and empowered by the Holy Spirit, Jesus continues his mission through his people on earth. Now, many of you know Luke and Gabrielle Nan. Um, Luke has a really interesting job. Um, not too many people I know have had these kinds of jobs, but he's got this interesting job where he works in Belmont with people who drive massive iron ore trucks in the northwest of Western Australia. Did you hear what I said? He works with people in Belmont who drive massive trucks in the northwest from Belmont. You probably know about this. There's these remotely operated iron ore trucks up north. Can you believe that? Perth in people, sorry, people in Perth drive trucks in the Pilbara. In Cloverdale, driving trucks in the northwest. I reckon it would be a bit creepy, don't you think? As this however many hundreds of tonnes iron ore dump truck goes past you and there's no one in the cab. A little creepy, definitely impersonal. But you have to conclude for FMG and BHP and whoever else is there, it must be cost-effective. Why else would they do it? One less person to employ, one less person to have workers' compensation insurance for, one less person to fly in, fly out, one less person to send on holidays for four, four weeks a year or whatever. It must be cost-effective. The interesting thing as we look at the book of Acts is this. Jesus doesn't need anyone to continue his mission from heaven on earth, right? Jesus doesn't need us. He could get the job done a whole lot more effectively without our involvement. But Jesus is not about cost-effectiveness. Neither is he impersonal in what he does. Jesus is about the glory of God. 
and the joy of his people and the salvation of his lo- of the lost. When God uses blunt instruments, I hope you don't mind me saying this, blunt instruments like us, empowered by his spirit to proclaim forgiveness and repentance in his name to someone who doesn't know him and they become a Christian, who gets the glory for that? God does. Because I'm a blunt instrument. I probably didn't do it as well as could have or certainly nowhere near as well as Jesus might have. But he uses his people to continue his mission on earth. So, friends, the mission continues. We have a work to do. We actually get to be a part of what Jesus is continuing to do. It's amazing, don't you think? Jesus is at work from heaven in his world, saving people. And he invites us to join us, join him in doing that. I wonder, is that how you think about your life as a follower of Jesus? Someone sent by Jesus. Even now as we gather week by week here. Jesus is continuing his mission here, this morning, through his people, as they gather, through his word, by his spirit, as he grows us and changes us and speaks into our lives and refines us and encourages us and we spur each other on to keep following him until he comes back. His mission is continuing. There are people to be reached. There is repentance and forgiveness to be announced. This is how God's work works. This is how his kingdom grows, even through us. So if you're a Christian here this morning, you're sent. You're a sent one. Sent to live and speak for Jesus wherever he has placed you. And no doubt that's all sorts of places. There are disciples to be made, which is part of his continuing mission. And this is what happens when he continues his mission through us. Disciples are made. We grow in Christ and, others become, and together with others we become more like Jesus. And again, we do, as this is done as we proclaim him until we stand before him. Colossians 1.28 says this, Him, that is Jesus, we proclaim warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Disciples are to be made. This is his continuing mission. Go into all the world and make disciples, he says. Now, if we think this way, it will change things for us. It will shape things for us. If we believe that through God's gathered people, Jesus is continuing his mission by the power of his spirit, then when it comes to say something like Mondays for men tomorrow night, it does, it does, it's, the response is not like, ah, uh, yeah, I don't know, maybe, I'll think about it. The response is, that's another place where Jesus is continuing his mission. Have I got anything on? No, nah, I'll be there. 
The women's event's the same. Yes, it'll be a nice morning tea. Yes, it'll be fellowship as well. And yes, it'll be God's word. And But Jesus will be continuing his mission there. Oh, I think, I think my thinking needs to change. Growth groups are the same. Gathering like this is, well, shall I go to church on this week? I don't know. Who's preaching? You know, they're questions that we're tempted to sometimes ask. Is Jesus going to be continuing his mission at church this week? Ah, different, isn't it? Serving. I don't know whether I want to serve. I've got lots of stuff to do. I'm a busy guy. I can be involved in Jesus continuing his mission. Giving. I can support the work of the gospel and Jesus continuing his mission. Everything changes when we see this. Churches to be built or planted, God's glory to be displayed. How awesome would it be in the next five to ten years if there were two churches planted in this part of Perth that weren't there, that unbelievers drive past and go, oh, there's a church there now. Or even better, that people who don't know Jesus, who live in that area go, I've been thinking about going to church. Maybe I'll go there. And they hear about Jesus. And his mission continues as they respond in repentance and faith. Jesus continues his mission through his people on earth. Secondly, I'm having fun with this today. Can we go to the next slide? There we go. Jesus empowers his people for mission on earth. Now, as I've raised the first point this morning, I don't know about you, but for me, you can feel a bit overwhelmed. 200,000 people, 190,000 people. (gasps) We would be those through whom Jesus will continue his mission, us. If we take what we see here in Acts seriously, then we probably should feel a bit overwhelmed. Surely it should be a bit daunting to us. I know as I think about it, I certainly feel inadequate for the task. And from one angle, I should. We should. It actually seems the apostles did feel inadequate. They're kind of encouraging the apostles, I reckon, for us. (laughs) Because they often, you know, Jesus says one thing and they're often over here and whatever. Um, And in one sense, they're unlikely candidates that maybe you or I wouldn't have chosen. But it's who Jesus chose to work with. And it's pretty clear even here that they lack some things they need if they're going to do what Jesus is going to call them to do. Um, Firstly, they lack perspective, and you see that in verses 6 to 7. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? 
He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Did you notice how they lack perspective? Did you notice that their view of the mission of Jesus is too narrow? They are focused on Israel and no further at this point. Uh, They're focused on the nation of Israel as the centre of Messiah's rule. They comprehensibly fail to see the extent of the Messiah's kingdom, though Jesus has said to them that repentance and forgiveness are to be proclaimed to where? All nations. Now the issue is not if God, here is not if God will one day turn his attention to the nation of Israel at some point. No, the issue here is that the Great Commission is what is front and centre and repentance and, and forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name is to be announced to the world and they are to be his witnesses. So the apostles lack perspective on what God is doing and isn't that encouraging? Because so often we do too. They are focused on their own agenda and not God's agenda. Guilty. Often I am too. Their vision is too small in relation to what God is up to. And so ours is often too small. They lack perspective, but they also lack power. Verse 8, that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The obvious question is with these unlikely candidates, how on earth is this going to happen? How on earth is this going to happen? How will they ever do this? How will the sequel, so to speak, not turn out to be a total flop? The reality for them and for us is this. They will only carry out this mission if God enables them to do so. And that is precisely what Jesus has promised to do and is about to do. Have a look again at verse 4 and 5. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptised you with water, but you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And again, verse 8 you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, interestingly, verse 4 and 5 is linked to Jesus' own baptism. It's a quote from pretty much right there. And it's helpful for us, and it would have been helpful for them, to remember what that was about. What happened there? When Jesus was baptised. Well, the Spirit descended on him like a dove, didn't it? What was that about? Well, that was about the messianic Spirit of God coming on the Messiah himself for the work of Messiah. It was about power for the task. It was about endowment from God by his spirit 
of Christ to do the work he had come to do. Now, it's, it's important to say it was unique in quality and quantity for the work of Jesus. But the same idea is here as we think about Jesus' mission continuing through us. But you, the apostles, he says, will receive power and you will be my witnesses. Again, the messianic spirit of God for the mission of God through the people of God now. Power for the task, endowment for the mission. And do notice, friends, that one follows from the other. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Not you might be, you may be, you could be. No, you will be. And again, obviously the apostles have a unique place in God's mission. And so you could be tempted reading this, oh, this was just for them. I'm off the hook. But notice how far this witness goes. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's beyond the apostles. In the Great Commission, Jesus says at the end when he gives his apostles the Great Commission, he says, and I am with you until the end of the age. They're long gone, and the end of the age is still coming. You will receive power. I will enable you by my spirit to fulfill the calling that I've given you to be my witnesses. And the point is, without the enabling of God's spirit, we will not do it. We won't do it. We won't want to do it. We won't be able to do it. For this to happen, Jesus has to ascend, and so he does. In verse 9, he's taken up into the clouds out of their sight. The disciples are awestruck, as you would expect, even though the angels kind of rebuke them a bit. Why do you stand looking up like, you know, this is all spoken about? He's, he's gone, he's coming back. You knew about this, but still. So what we see here is that Jesus empowers his people for his mission on earth. He continues it through his people and he empowers them as he does that. Now, I have a, what do you call this? It's a lamp. It's not that impressive. It's pretty ordinary, really. I don't know, is it from Ikea? Kmart. <laughs> Even better. Here you go. It's, it's, it's okay. I mean, it could do with a shade, maybe, just to dress it up a little bit, but it's, it's fairly average. Kind of communicates what it might be able to do, what it's been created to do, what its purpose is, but it doesn't do it until there's power. The only way it does what it's meant to do is if there's power flowing through it. And it's the same here. Unlikely. Candidates, not particularly impressive, not particularly flash, 
fairly ordinary. That's us. But there's one thing about that light to work. There's two things. One, it needs to be set aside for its purpose. No point putting it out the back. And the other thing, it needs to be lit up with power. And that's the same for us as his witnesses. You need to give yourself first to the primary purpose for which you have been saved. To be his witness. To bring him glory wherever he's placed you. But you need to do more than that. (laughs) You need his power to shine for him where he's placed you. Power that only Jesus gives by his Holy Spirit so that you might live for him and speak for him. You might live a life that is sent by Jesus. Does the word sent describe your life as a follower of Jesus? Is that how you step into each day? Knowing being sent by Jesus into that day, whatever it's got. And do you look to him and lean on him for the presence and power of his spirit to help you point people to him in word and deed? That's what it means to live as someone sent. To know you've been sent and to know you need his help. A number of years ago, uh, we built our house up in Kelmscott, and if you've been there, you know that um, the views are quite nice. Views to the city one direction, views to the valley the other direction. It's actually going on the market in about two weeks, so we'll have to come to terms with saying goodbye to those views. But nevertheless, they're great views. And I, when I, one of the things that happened to me when we moved in was I thought, ah, oh, this is so good. Sit here and soak up the view. Enjoy this direction, enjoy that direction. I deserve this. It's a nice little rest from whatever else. But funnily enough, God did something as I was sitting outside one of those first nights. I looked down towards Kelmscott, Gosnells, and I saw all the lights. And it suddenly dawned on me These are the people that God has placed us and our church among to reach. And I get a bit of a bird's eye view. I can sit out here and I can pray for this region. My natural default was just to satisfy my own desires and longings. But I think God had another idea that day. Now, I've probably forgotten that idea more than I should have and need to be reminded of it, so I'm reminding myself of it this morning and you're just listening in while I do that. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Judea, right where you are, 
in Samaria, maybe the next, group, the next circle out, and to the ends of the earth. Sent. As we go this morning, as you walk out this door, you're sent. Sent by Jesus, sent by his word. Not just sent, but indwelt by his spirit if you know him. To lean on him, to be enabled by him, to live and speak for him. Shall we pray? Risen Lord Jesus, we come before you and we praise you that you are risen and reigning. You ascended and you sat down at the right hand of God and you are going to return on the day that has been set. And until then you are continuing to work out your good and gracious purpose in your world through your people all over this planet and through us here in this part of Perth. Well, Father, would you, would you work in our lives by your Spirit to help us embrace the calling that you've placed on us? Father, would you work in our lives by your Spirit to rejoice that we have been sent by you, Lord Jesus, into the world to announce that repentance and forgiveness of sins is available in your name. Father, would you help us establish relationships? Would you help us to look outside our own agendas, our own desires, our own comforts to where you have placed us and who it is that's around us? Father, Would you help us to dive in, boots and all, for the continuing work of Jesus in your church and in your world through your church? We ask this in his name. Amen.